Let's get scratching. We got an explosive broadcast coming to you. Listen up. Sega games, just keep playing them. Sega! We're back. It's the Sega Bit Swing Report Show. Get ready for Sega news and commentary with George and Barry. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Sega Bit Swing Report Show. I'm Barry. With me is my co-host, George. No, 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 no. That's all wrong. <laughs> co-host. A co-host. Main host. Main host. Well, you're yeah, the one who... Okay, let's just start. <laughs> all right. Well, let's just use that because it's uh, it's different from the other 75 times we've done it. Joining us, we have a very special guest, Stealth, the uh, co-developer of the Sonic the Hedgehog remastered games, uh, which includes one and two. Um, and you had also uh, assisted on CD. However, was that not a co-development credit? Uh, right. The, um, I wasn't actually uh, I wasn't actually contracted on to do Sonic CD, but uh, before the before the uh, project was actually taken up, when he was making the pitch, he had asked me for some help to um, to uh, reverse engineer a few things so he could get it right for the pitch demo. Okay, cool. Well, hey, uh, thanks for coming on to talk with us a little bit about the project first off. Uh, let's see. Um, to kick things off, um, can you tell us a little bit about your first experience playing a Sonic the Hedgehog game? I guess going pre-development, just to see what kind of uh, fan you were growing up. Okay. Um, uh, the first time I saw it was uh, when it was actually released in 91. I uh, saw it on display at a Sam's Club. I had uh, passed by it a few times before I actually got the chance to play it. Oh, nice. Did you did you ever did you get it for like a holiday, like a Genesis or? Uh, it was a um, it was a surprise. Uh, just one day, my uh, my dad had brought in a Genesis with Sonic on it, and uh, he actually told us that he had don't he had only rented it. But uh, I ended up finding a Toys R Us bag which belonged to that. So <laughs> nice. Oh, that's good. Cool. I forgot the days of renting hardware. I rented an Xbox, and that was that was a weird experience. Um, so, what was it exactly about Sonic that, uh, compared to other mascot platformers of the time, that really drew you to him? Was it uh, the character? Or was it more the uh, the gameplay, or a mix of both? Uh, probably mostly the gameplay. It just um, when I first saw it, it it looked amazing to me, and um, I I just thought about how complex it must have been. So. Oh, cool. Because so, I know. Oh, go oh, on, George. Oh, I was gonna ask my question. Oh, go for it. Uh, Barry seems like I interrupted him, and he's very angry at me. But nah, uh, I'm not pissed off. No. <laughs> um, like, when did you like think like I want to make a game like this, like Sonic the Hedgehog, or learn how they made that game work? Uh, well, uh, first I started with uh, an NES a while back, and uh, shortly shortly after that I started trying to get into uh, video game programming, and uh, I was targeting uh, Mario 3 at the time. But uh, once once Sonic had come along, I had, that, that changed my mind. I wanted to do Sonic from that point on. All right. Um, Barry, can you ask the next question? This is like your question. I don't really know. Oh, sure. Should, but yeah. Uh, well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the development of your early project, Project uh, Metrics? And uh, I also want to know what the challenges were of making it in C++. Uh, sure. Um, actually, it's made in uh, C with C++ be actually being something different. Um, okay. Yeah, the vast majority of my code is actually just plain C. And uh, let's see, Project Metrics was started in like 1997, I think. 
it was based on an engine I was already working on that I had started back in 95 with uh, some with some other friends. Uh, we had actually started on uh, trying to make a, uh, a fan game that was going to be called uh, Knuckles Last One Standing. Hmm. And uh, the original idea was to make it in click and play, but that didn't really work very well. So I just got out some books I already had and started trying to uh, build some stuff in C for us. Uh, from there, that that kind of didn't pan out, and I did a few more demos after that. And then um, I met up with someone named uh, Ron Echidna, who was doing uh, who was doing a game called Sonic and the Seven Rings. And uh, eventually, uh, we we moved that over to my engine, and uh, eventually it was renamed to Project Metrics. Cool. And since then, you've you've actually you've started Head Cannon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that project? Uh, yeah, uh, Head Cannon. Uh, that's that's the name I took once I decided to uh, register a business when uh, when I was first going to contract with Sega for Sonic One. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And, and uh, so, yeah, and so did that, how did that tie in with, uh, I guess, how did that tie in with you meeting uh, Taxman and starting to work on some of the official Sega projects? Were you involved with the pitches at all? Uh, not directly. And when, uh, uh, yeah, Headcanon came along just shortly before the uh, release of, uh, of Sonic 1, or the website did anyway. Uh, I had registered it. I had registered it previously so that uh, I would have that in the talks with Sega. And uh, back when Sonic CD was being worked on, I just uh, didn't have a registered business or anything. And uh, as far as that goes, Taxman had uh, come to me to uh, talk to me about something I had uh, recently done where uh, I had put, uh, had my uh, engine, which was called EO2 at the time, uh, ported to the uh, PSP and the Wii. And uh, I showed that off at uh, Sage that year, and uh, he wanted to tell me he was impressed by that, and uh, also to ask me if I would be able to help him with the reverse engineering. Oh, cool. And so, so I mean, despite uh, none of the uh, remakes actually used any of... Um your uh, your work it was it was mainly working with the retro engine which was completely taxman correct uh, yeah so uh, taxman uh, taxman has built the retro engine himself I I haven't had any direct involvement with uh, with uh, building the engine and uh, this is from this is from a long while back uh, somewhere in the late 90s or so also where it started as uh, as retro sonic uh, fan game. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Uh, George, you had a question, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, but I don't know if this question should be like directed. But I mean, you pl you worked on the retro engine. I mean, you worked, worked with, with the it, retro yeah. engine, so you know that like what's its limits. So like we've we've seen it used on Sonic where you have like a virtual D pad, but would it support other types of touch control like like an SRPG like Shining Force where you could tap where you want the character to go? Uh, the way it works right now, I think it's it's uh, built to have the virtual D-pad, but um, it sh I'd say it should probably be pretty trivial to uh, add a different touch interface to it, if, uh, like you were describing. All right. Um, the first game you guys did was uh, Sonic CD. I mean, is there a reason why uh, Taxman started with Sonic CD out of the trilogy or the retro games, I guess? 
Uh, yeah, actually, he um, aside from just liking that game, he knew that um, he knew that the way they were the way they were bringing the games to uh, mobile and other platforms, they weren't going to be able to do the same thing with Sonic CD because it it had always been emulation and Sega CD emulation is uh, much more difficult and much more uh, in, uh, process intense than uh, just Genesis emulation alone. So the only way Sonic CD was going to show up on a platform like that would be if it were rebuilt from the ground up. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I was going to say um, you guys actually added stuff to the retro, uh, retro re-releases. You guys added like uh, boss modes, playable characters and stuff. Um, how hard was that for Taxman and you guys to like pitch to Sega and Sonic Team that you guys wanted to add stuff that they'd taken out be, uh, previously? Uh, there was some uh, there was some discussion about it. Like uh, the characters uh, to begin with, we almost didn't get the characters because they were afraid that they were going to break the game, and uh, we had a hard time explaining to them just how easy it would be to modify parts of the game so that the characters don't get into where they don't belong and and break stuff. Mm-hmm. And did Sonic Team have a lot of involvement with the game or like approving uh, certain features? Uh, yeah, just that's just about it. They um, they what what they saw out of what we were giving them, they told us uh, what what they thought was wrong. Just basically another another part of the QA process, and uh, then anything that they wanted us to change about any of the stuff we wanted to add. Did they give you like? I'm just wondering. Not, this is just for my like what I'm thinking. Like, do they ever give you like positive feedback, or is it just change this, change that? Uh. Yeah, it was pretty much that. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, that's what I assumed. All right, Barry, you want to ask a next question? Actually, just uh, building off of that question you had about the uh, additional characters. That's, you know, I have, you know, obviously I've never developed a Sonic game, but in just looking at some of the uh, recent titles, you know, that have only a uh, R2D and they only have Sonic playable, I can see how people would think that like Tails would fly off the stage or, or at the very least you would have to develop every single stage to accommodate three characters, which um, I mean, and this is just on your, on your own personal opinion, would you say this is because uh, doing so probably takes too much development time? Do you think it's, uh, I don't want to use the word laziness, but do you think not including them is probably I don't know. What what are your thoughts on additional characters in the games, I guess, is what I'm trying to talk about. Well, when they finally dialed back the amount of characters that they had in their games and they went straight to Sonic, I thought that was just I thought that was just going a little overboard. And uh, as far as designing the levels for the three characters, it it does take a little more planning to uh, to uh, build to build levels with multiple paths. And some of them are for some characters and for not for the other characters but i don't think that it's i don't think that it would be so much that it's not worth trying right right yeah i mean especially with knuckles you know he can climb anywhere so i'd assume any wall that he can climb would need to either have something stopping you or taking you to something so there's a, a point to you climbing the wall uh rather yeah. than breaking the level or with tails even i feel like he's been um kind of gimped the past few years i was playing uh runners today and he just he's kind of the gliding he glides now he almost glides like knuckles which is kind of strange. yeah that's what they that's what they ended up doing with him in boom too which i was really disappointed with myself yeah i uh, yeah tells was the worst character 
in the four boom. I mean, it was a terrible game, but that was just very terrible character. I didn't even know why he was in it. He didn't. Yeah, he hovered. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask too, um, in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I think the or remastered, the biggest uh, thing that got people really excited was seeing the Hidden Palace Zone. Um, how hard was that to piece together, and how much of it was based off of original ideas, and how much of it was new? Uh, well, we first started with the um, with the level as it was in the uh, in the prototype that we have. And uh, uh, by that one, I mean the one they call a Simon Way prototype. And uh, from there, just tried to figure out uh, what would actually make this level good and interesting. And uh, that was pretty much the extent of, of what we got of the original content. Anything else that's there, the, uh, the new layout, any of the new uh, structures, the... Uh, the badniks and stuff, the boss, definitely. All of that is uh, brand new stuff. Hmm, interesting. That's so. Like Sonic Team didn't like give you guys like uh, uh, like planning documents or something that they never released, so you guys could finish the level. Uh, no. Hmm, interesting. I, what was the? Um, I guess uh, just an additional question about the content in that. What was there any? Um, what was the reasoning behind the pipe organ boss? Was that? Uh, something one of you always wanted to do or maybe was it something based on an old concept that was uh, cut in the past uh that was actually taxman's concept and uh he said that it was uh something like a cathedral or something which he thought fit into the uh, palace theme mm. yeah it was a really imaginative boss i was surprised it uh it was pretty cool it was pretty tough too <laughs> um another question could you explain how much work goes into bringing these classics updated for uh, new displays? And um, how do you guys get them to look and sound and play better than they did on Genesis hardware? Uh, well, one thing is that uh, we, have, we, ha we have higher quality sound, for one. And uh, we, also have, we also have greater processing power to make use of. And... Uh, the rendering that the rendering that we do also includes uh, some uh, the ability to rotate a scale and uh, and uh, make translucent the sprites which you couldn't get on the Genesis. Right, right. So is it is it difficult to preserve that kind of original feel despite the improved uh, visuals? Well, we kind of did have to uh, make sure that we didn't go too overboard with anything, just just something that would look nice without distracting, really, from what was actually going on in the game. Right. George? Oh, how, I was wondering, how long does it take from, like, from, like, starting development and the end of development of, like, a retro remaster title, and which title was the one that took the longest to make? Uh, out of out of the out of the three of them, definitely it would be Sonic CD, particularly because it's just so much bigger than the other two games, and because I wasn't directly involved, so I couldn't help speed up the process. Okay, so like, how long does it take usually, like an average of making the retro uh, remaster game from start uh, to finish? Let's see. Uh, Sonic One was it was maybe three months and about twice that long for Sonic 2. 
No, that's actually that's actually a lot shorter than I expected. I don't know. You guys work fast. Yeah. I was gonna say um. Well, let's talk about the campaign that's going on right now. Um, did when you and when you and Sega guys I mean, when you guys did a meeting, was there a focus to like release all the retro titles, or was there or was it a game by game basis? Uh, well, what first happened was uh, you probably know about uh, about the campaign. Taxman had to get Sonic CD in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. He started uh, he started out by uh, showing a um, showing a. Uh, preview video privately to somebody from Sega Europe but it was one of their uh, it was one of their uh, PR people so it it didn't really it didn't really go very much of anywhere before uh, Sega brought out this uh, post on their American blog saying we are putting gen- we are putting old games from the Genesis era on the iPod uh, iPod and iPhone which games do you want to see so he decided at that point to publicize the video and uh, let people know that this was an option so they can tell Sega, we want Sonic CD. And uh, when you guys uh, finally got the contract with CD and stuff, I mean, did Sega have like a clear focus on how many titles he wanted to do? Or was it just, oh, do Sonic CD and maybe we'll do another one later? Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty much like that. Sonic CD stood on its own at first because it was the first time they had ever worked with us and uh, they didn't know how well we could do you know, stuff like that. Uh, by the time Sonic CD was finished, uh, we had been talking about doing more games in the series and uh, around the same time, Sega Japan wanted to put Sonic 1 on Android for the first time, which they, they hadn't put it there and emulated the same way they had on iOS and uh, we kind of got in on that to uh, where we would we would do the remastered one for uh, for Android and also iOS at the same time and okay. uh, uh, when that happened uh, they uh, this this uh, this isn't how they wanted the, it to go but Everyone, uh, once Sonic 1 was announced at GDC when they were showing it off for the first time, uh, the guy that was there screwed up and then also mentioned Sonic 2. So everybody knew that bef- before Sonic 1 was even finished, everybody knew we were also going to do Sonic 2. And uh, since that's out there, I might as well say we were asked to do Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 at the same time. <laughs> okay, so that makes, I mean... Um, so you guys were asked to do one and two, but they never talked about three, right? Uh, not very much. We, three wasn't put on the, uh, three wasn't put on the contract and, uh, we just didn't have any real hard discussion about actually doing three at the time. So we just took what we had and did one and two first. Okay. Barry, you you want to add on to that? Um, actually, I wanted to ask about the uh, talking about Sonic 3, the proof of concept uh, video from YouTube last year. It made the rounds in the community. It became very popular. Um, I'm just wondering, how complete was this proof of concept? Uh, pretty much exactly what you see in the video. I mean, it's it skips around a lot, but uh, all of the stuff that gets shown in the video is absolutely complete. But anything that's not in the video as in other levels and stuff, that's that's not in the demo either. Right. Hypothetically, how long do you think it would take to um, develop a Sonic 3 and Knuckles? Uh, 
Uh, to be safe, I'd say about a year, maybe. Hmm. So it's definitely, I mean, it's obviously it's a larger game than uh, Sonic 1 or Sonic 2, so that three-month yeah, there's, window. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a whole lot more content there, and uh, they did a lot, a lot more fancy stuff with it. So that that kind of increases the amount of time you need to spend on it too. That's very true. With save states, how how would the save states work? Um, would you have, do a Sonic Three? Would you maintain that kind of uh, original settings, or would you do something more like the Sonic One and Two? Um, I'd imagine that probably the uh, Probably the save menu would be converted to something more like uh, one and two, just for um, just for consistency. Hmm, interesting. I, re- I just to mention too, I really like the uh, changing the region changes the uh, artwork of the cartridge. That was really cool. But uh, anyway, um, uh, one of the things I've been hearing rumors of is that the reason the game hasn't been remastered yet is due to legal issues with the music. Um, can you explain a little bit of this for the people not in the know and maybe? Squash some rumors. Uh, okay. Uh, it starts like a long time ago. Uh, somewhere somewhere shortly after uh, Sonic 3 was released in the first place, uh, people on the internet had started to hear that there was some strange issue going on with the music. And uh, a lot of people uh, made some assumptions based on which music was changed in... in um, the Sonic and Knuckles collection for PC. Mm. And uh, let's see, I think that was released in like 96 and just somewhere between two and four months later, Sonic Jam was released and Sonic Jam also happened to have all of the original music in it. Mm. And uh, the, the, the interesting thing about that is when they remade, when they remade um Sonic and Knuckles collection for PC, it was a source port, so they could they could modify any of the stuff that they needed to, and they did when they changed those particular songs. But in uh, Sonic Jam, it also actually was a source port and not an emulation or anything, so they could change the music there too, since it was stored as uh, WAV files that were streamed from disk. But they did, in fact, use the original music there without a problem. Hmm. Interesting. So... Because I know some people speculate that it has something to do with the type of emulation. Either it's a direct emulation, it's a remake, it, maybe there's some sort of uh, legal way around it. So you're saying that despite this, Sonic Jam is basically no different from the PC release in terms of its uh, how it's it's put into played on the Saturn, correct? Uh, yeah. Uh, what I said in the, in the thread once about this is uh, there may actually be some some uh, level of ability for them to release an emulation as as in um, they can sell as many Genesis cartridges as they want under the contract, assumedly. So it may be that either it was automatic or that they've come to some agreement where they can release uh, emulations just as, any, as uh, other physical cartridges since it's the same game as is. Hmm. Yeah, I know other Sega games have uh, come across that, and some people are even speculating it's the reason we haven't seen um, Shenmue HD yet. So it's uh, music. I, I never, you know, it's one of those things you don't really think about, but then there are these uh, contracts they make with external artists. Um, what was it? Dreams Come True, correct? Was uh, 
there were some issues with them, I believe, weren't there? Uh, yeah, there was talk about there being a, a problem with using their music for uh, for uh, Sonic Spinball because uh, when STI was developing Sonic Spinball, they used a few jingles from uh, from uh, the the original Sonic One and Sonic Two, and uh, they were asked to change it right before the right before the game was released because they didn't get approval from uh, Dreams Come True, and uh, something similar happened more recently where. Uh, when they wanted to reuse some of the music for uh, some more recent games, they had to license it for Sonic Advance when they had a few of those songs. They had to license it for um, for Sonic Generations. They had to, re- to license it for the recent uh, the recent soundtrack release. And, uh, and then further, when they did some ports of Sonic Advance, those ports actually replaced the Sonic 1 and 2 music that they had with uh, Sonic 4 music because I guess they just didn't pick up a contract for that either. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. I guess that explains why they have uh, an internal sound team so they don't have to deal with this sort of thing uh, moving forward. Uh, George, you had some questions? Oh, yes. You guys are uh, you guys are planning – well, I'm assuming the proof of concept was uh, to plan to bring Sonic 3 and Knuckles together as like, one game as it was supposed to be. And uh, – is there anything you guys were gonna add, like thinking of adding to the game? Oh, uh, okay. As I mentioned in the, the blog post I made when we first released the video, there we had a few ideas that we wanted to go with. Uh, one of them was uh, a, an idea I had for an expanded uh, Blue Spheres mode. It would be uh, Blue Spheres Two or something like that, which included. Um, uh, two new spheres, the green sphere, which is the two hit. You hit it once, it turns blue. You hit it again, and it turns red. And uh, the the pink sphere, which uh, you touch the pink sphere, and it will teleport you randomly to another pink sphere somewhere in the layout. Okay, and that was one of the ideas. Is there any other ideas you guys had, like another extra character? I mean, I mean, there's not that many characters. In <laughs> there's the not that many, no. Oh well, yeah, this, uh, people have been asking about about getting characters in there. There's a lot of uh, stuff they throw around. Some people say Amy. Some people say we're gonna add the chaotic. Some people say we're gonna add Shadow. But uh, yeah, I really don't think that uh, I really don't think that that would happen at this point. I don't, I, I, you didn't say Big the Cat, so I don't know if I'm in for this, but uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, uh, how, how big do you think the campaign has to be for someone like Sega to listen? And uh, do you think the latest restructure they just did, again, uh, <laughs> could hurt the game? Uh, honestly, I have uh, no idea what, what the restructuring from this point on is going to do to the odds of actually getting Sonic 3 done. Okay, and uh, how big do you think the campaign should like has to be for Sega to like like notice it? I guess. Uh, given given uh, my experience with uh, what we've tried to do so far, I would say that it would probably take convincing them that they can do better than break even on doing it to uh, actually get it out. So we would need uh, we would need enough people to uh, pledge a purchase so that they would at least make up the all of the development costs which uh is actually pretty high so uh the campaign assumes that the that the game is going to be 299 when it comes out which i'm not really sure about i mean it could be 299 it could be like 599 since it's bigger but uh if you assume 299 uh, then you also assume each person who signs the uh 
the petition, for example, is only going to buy the game once, then you would need somewhere in the area of a hundred thousand uh, signatures mm-hmm. to uh, to guarantee breaking even. Okay, so um, did uh, Sega uh, talk to you guys about uh, I guess sales figures they were they were aiming for on the the last two releases then? Uh, not so much. Okay, and then uh, my other question was, uh, was it also in your contract to uh, give away one and two to people that bought the older game that was emulated? Uh, yeah, that was how uh, that was how it was set up from the start. Uh, when they when they released it, it would replace the uh, the existing emulation, so anybody who had it would get it as a free uh, up- update. And uh, I actually seen this being pushed around a lot in the forums, uh, and I kind of had a couple questions about this, so I'll ask. Um, People are always asking when, why is it mobile only? And I'm assuming it's because it's the biggest uh, base of users, right? And Sega really likes mobile right now. Is that the, uh, is that really the reason, or? Uh, that's one reason. And uh, as as we came to find out later, we were talking about multiple platforms uh, when we when we first started talking about uh, Sonic One and Sonic Two. But uh, that kind of dropped off after a while, and and uh, we just ended up with the uh, mobile stuff. And um, one one aspect of what kept it that way was something that we didn't realize until later. Very shortly before we signed the contract, Sega signed an exclusivity contract with Nintendo to uh, for to give Nintendo three exclusive Sonic games. And uh, what it said was that until Nintendo gets it's three exclusive games. No other console is allowed to have another Sonic game on it, which I guess that excludes mobile. So uh, it, any it, we we were uh, we would have been disallowed under that contract to put the game on any any other platform except for mobile, I guess. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That was actually one of the questions we had about the. You know, the contract with Nintendo? Um, Yeah, I guess it's because Nintendo doesn't have any uh, footing in the mobile industry, and it's seen as a different competitor than uh, something like the Vita. Uh, That's interesting, though. Hmm. (laughs) I was going to say, too, I know the the campaign is... They they were two campaigns, correct? And they kind of came together. It's just something you're backing, just so people know. It's not something you started. Oh, yeah, the... um... The letter campaign was started by uh, I think Big Smile started it in um, last year, shortly after we uh, showed off the video, and uh, it didn't really start moving very much until until this year. And uh, when people started taking up interest in it again, somebody suggested that they should do a uh, a petition also. So he added a petition to the campaign. So now there's the uh, the petition and the uh, letter writing campaigns running uh, concurrently. Right. And I mean, it's been said that the layoffs could hurt the campaign, but I'm I'm wondering if it could almost help it just because I feel like there have been a lot of people working at Sega who've been there for years. They might uh, have a negative stigma about talking about it. It could be that they bring in some new people in the next few months who are really looking for the next big thing to make their mark in the company. Um, so I don't know, maybe people uh, should keep their eyes on LinkedIn to see who the the new uh, folks in charge over in Sega of America will be once they move south. Uh, you never know. You might you might find a new person at Sega who might have uh, their ear to the ground looking for new ideas for games. 
I guess it's a possibility. I mean, after um, after what we heard about uh, Sonic Boom, it sounds like Sega America really, really wants to try and make a mark in some way or another. But uh, the big problem is that we really have to deal with uh, what's going on in Japan right now with the uh, with Sega Japan. Uh, they're the ones who can uh, make the final calls about this stuff, and uh, they would be the ones who would who would um, need to be convinced to deal with any particular legal situation or anything like that. It, uh, for a similar reason, we did we weren't able to get the lyrics for uh, Sonic CD uh, when when that was released for uh, PC and the consoles, and that was because they didn't have uh, they didn't have a license to the lyrics, so they had uh, they had the uh, melody but they didn't have the lyrics so we had to make a lyricless version of the music to use for that and um once that became popular uh, they they decided okay we are going to get a license so we can release a full soundtrack and then they released a sonic cd soundtrack on i think on itunes which actually did contain the japanese music intact with lyrics mm. and uh it never went back and never went back and added it to the game though. <laughs> That's but, interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that it was uh, they they didn't want to bother with it at the time or something. I mean, I it make it it sort of makes sense because they didn't know what was going to happen when they started working with us in the first place. So the less the less they had to put into it, the better probably. Uh, it's interesting you bring up. Well, I just wanted to ask too, based on uh, you bringing up Sega of America and Sega of Japan. How how much did each influence you, like maybe percentage-wise, for uh, the games? Would you say it was more of a Sega of Japan uh, you were working with or Sega of America or going through Sega of America to get to Sega of Japan? Uh, that was that was pretty much it. We went through, uh, we went through a producer and uh, some other people at Sega America to, uh, to uh, the proxy between us and uh, Sega Japan and uh actually sonic team specifically and uh what what really happened was they just they just talked to us to find out like where we were and where we were in the uh, process and uh how that was going and stuff and uh sega japan uh they 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 mostly just uh participated in doing their own level of qa and uh then we had the regular qa department which i think was based in europe so really it was uh, all three regions were really working on the project or working with you guys on the project. Um, were there any kind of lessons you learned in developing those two games with them? And uh, were, maybe were there some things you learned that could improve processes moving forward, maybe even with the new, the new staff that SAG of America are bringing in? Uh, I'm not real sure what they could do to improve uh improve the company if that's what you're asking maybe just uh i guess i mean like in terms of how the the communication structure is built if, if you want to talk about that well uh it's pretty much like a a big company uh, that uh, any other one that you would expect they uh they have various departments for uh, different things sometimes they are all involved in something yet uh, there's still there's still a disconnect there where they don't they don't talk very much to each other and they just sort of do their own thing and uh, uh, that can cause a few problems sometimes like uh, recently the um, uh, people had started getting uh, takedown notices on uh, on YouTube videos and that's because 
uh, Sega Japan, I think, had recently registered with some with something called eLicense, and uh, eLicense went on their own and uh, started uh, started claiming videos. And uh, Sega America, they they had no idea about it until somebody mentioned it to them, and they had to go they had to go through uh, legal and e-license and get them to stop that. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not something new for the company. I know Tom Kalinske brought it up. Uh, I think George even mentioned it to me about a PlayStation 3 title that uh, was never released. I'm not going to get it because it makes me angry. <laughs> it does it make makes you... me so angry. You think you it, makes... just, yeah. it just makes me angry because it feels like one side of Sega is like, oh, I'm going to do this to benefit myself, and then the other side's like, oh, I guess we get fucked over. Like... <laughs> It's just, it's just terrible. It's just like, uh, I mean, ideally, all all sides would be working for the same common goals, and they would put uh, any sort of personal sort of uh, qualms out of it. But I, I have yet to see a business that operates that way, um, unfortunately. But uh, hey, you know, like I think the campaign, it's it's really surprising how much traction it's gotten. Do you do you think it, if at all, it was a, an impact of uh, an effect of a sonic boom? Perhaps people seeing that, maybe being uh, disinterested in it and wanting something else. I've seen a lot of there's been some news stories even where they're trying to make a parallel between the two. I don't know if it exists, but uh, I was wondering, Stealth, what your thoughts were on that. Uh, I don't really think it has a whole lot to do with Sonic Boom. I mean, definitely, definitely that had an impact on uh, people who are fans of the franchise in general. But uh, uh, there are a lot of people who don't like what's been happening lately at all, and then and then there's even some people who kind of do, but they still like the classic stuff in the first place. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you feel there's like some sort of like I don't know? It just seems to me like say Sonic Team is like they're very like oh let's try this and then let's try this. Like they're always about let's change it. Like they're trying to do something new to capture maybe some sort of market. But, like, they never want to go back and try to do, like, a retro game. Like, even Sonic 4 didn't have the engine or anything. Is that, like, Sonic Team, I guess, in, in like, in a, just, like, in always a... trying to move forward, I guess? Uh, as far as Sonic 4 goes, that was actually developed to be a, uh, a, a mobile game initially. And um, from what from what I've heard, it was somebody at Sega America says, I want a game called Sonic 4. So with this other with this mobile game in development already, they just said, "Okay, we'll just call this one Sonic 4." <laughs> and then Sega Japan's like, "Yeah, we'll take that. That's pretty cool. Sounds good." And it's I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like it's kind of strange that they'll that they're like okay to use uh, the retro franchise to like uh, like advertise or get the the fans start talking. Like when they announced Sonic Runners, it was all retro franchise uh, like footage and then they showed the history and then it's like sonic runners wasn't anything like the retro games it's like i don't know it just feels like they know yeah, people want just... it but they're not going to give it to them yeah that 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 bugged me about it too i mean they did they didn't have anything about sonic runners whatsoever in the initial t- teaser and it's like hey look at all these classic games okay bye <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean uh... i'm not saying that sonic runners is a terrible terrible game or anything i've only played a few minutes but it's like that's a weird way to advertise the game it's a, I think it's yeah, an it's, ineffective way to advertise it, yeah. Yeah, they should have they should have just 
gone with what they were doing with the game. I mean, the the old classic games, aside from the fact that it's 2D and you're you're running from one side to the other and you can finally spin on hills and stuff again, it has nothing in common with the classic games. It's very uh, the the art style is very new, Sonic, but. I, I don't know. It's just the way they market games, I guess. Um, so I was going to ask, what, what was your guys' uh, plan? Like, let's say you guys finished the retro titles. Is there anything you guys wanted to move on to? Uh, other ports, maybe doing your own mobile Sonic title? Uh, that was a really big one to uh, get a brand new uh, Sonic game. Oh, is that was one of your guys' pitch? Uh, we, hadn't, we hadn't made a pitch yet. I mean, well... There, there were a few minor pitches. One of them we had a short presentation for, um, and uh, that one, that one didn't really take. And uh, there were at least two other ideas that we had that uh, weren't as fleshed out. But we started trying to get talks to see if there was anything we could do. But uh, those, uh, those hadn't taken. Hmm. Did you guys? Uh, I was gonna ask. Oh, go on, Barry. No, oh, go on, George. I was gonna say, uh, did you guys ever pitch? Ports of like I know the retro engine I don't know what the lip, I mean what type of games they could do if it's just 2D or if it could handle polygons or but do you guys ever pitch doing a different game like another outside the franchise of Sonic or was it always like we're gonna do the Sonic retro games and just Sonic right now and there was never really plans after to do other ports. Uh, well, as uh, far as your as far as your question about uh, retro engine goes, it does it does do polygons. That's uh, that's actually how the uh, Sonic 2 special stage was done, and but uh, it it's not really made for hardcore 3D or anything, which is why he's uh, working on a new engine right now for a 3D game. Okay, and uh, oh yeah, and did you guys ever have talks about doing a game outside the Sonic franchise that it was owned by Sega? Uh, that was in some of the earlier discussions. The they were just trying to feel around and find out what what might be possible for us in the future. Uh, I can't remember if there were any specifics that were mentioned, but they they did ask if we would want to do any other ones in the future. This was uh, our original producer with Sega America, who actually we lost in the restructuring. Mm. Oh. I was going to ask, uh, just as a fan. What is your favorite non-Sonic Sega game? Might uh, might take some thought. I've played I've played Sonic a whole lot more than the others, but I have played I have played some of the other Sega games, and uh, mostly mostly it's like the stuff that came from the arcade that's pretty good, like uh, Space Harrier, Altered Beast, uh, Shinobi. Hmm. Good picks. <laughs> I mean, obviously you guys aren't remaking those, but it's it's those are definite good choices outside of the Sonic brand. I'll admit I didn't own any other non-Sonic Sega developed games until probably the late '90s. I was missing out, <laughs> but still, I guess that says something about the uh, the power of the franchise. And um, speaking of the franchise, I, again as a fan, what are your thoughts on um, the Boom spinoff franchise uh, and its various aspects? Uh, I guess, do you, do you feel like it warranted its own games, or do you feel that it, it should have just... Um, I mean, we obviously know the quality of the games had they come out, but um, what were your thoughts on that when it was revealed? Uh, when it first came out, it... 
I guess it seemed like there was potential to it. I uh, I didn't I didn't write it off quite yet, and uh, I got to see some of it at E3, and they showed basically the best of the game, which you you should expect. Uh, the that was the best parts of the game of the parts that they wanted to show off, which they said that they were showing off non-Sonic stuff just just to show you that there is non-Sonic stuff in there because you already know what Sonic plays like. And uh, another thing I was told while I was there was that the uh, the game was was uh, almost finished, <laughs> and uh, that was that was at E3 uh, months before it was released in November. Yeah, I, I played a demo. I think the first demo I played was at Sonic Boom in New York, and it was they told me that too. They're like, oh, it's almost finished. But I remember looking at the camera during the speed sections, and it was so jerky. Uh, I think the camera throughout the entire game was very jerky, which was uh, something I really wish they fixed. I mean, I don't think it would have fixed the game. I don't think it would have made it that much better, but it would have improved it a little bit. Uh, yeah, there were just a lot of problems with that game. Like uh, when when I actually when I actually got the final version, I was playing through it with my wife Liz, and uh, we within the first fifteen minutes of the game, we ended up running into three progression stopping bugs that that actually caused us to have to turn the game off and turn it back on and uh, take wherever it put us to for a restart point mm-hmm. and try again. Hmm. I'd, I'd be fascinated to see what the development of that. I mean, I I know right now it's a, a sore point for Sega and for Big Red Button, which is a shame because they canceled our interview the day after the game released. Big red button did yes. Yeah, and they were, and we would have been nice. I mean, we're being nice to you, <laughs> but um, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I guess they were too afraid. Maybe we would ask the wrong questions, make them look bad. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, I guess that. I guess that would be it. They they would be deathly afraid of bad press. Yeah. So. I've heard the studio was closed down. I don't know if there's any. Was that ever confirmed? The that rumor. I don't know about that. Have you heard anything? I'm not so? sure. Hmm. I'm not sure if it actually did get closed down, but that is what I heard also. Well, uh, just getting back to the uh, the Sonic 3, this campaign and everything, um, just to wrap things up, is there anything you want to tell everyone listening, how they can support the campaign, maybe um, things you, you don't want them to do <laughs> that might uh, hurt the releasing of the, the game? Uh, well, definitely right now is too soon to try and contact anybody at Sega directly like some people have uh, tried. Like, uh, I saw this one person who um, tried to po- push it on to Izuka on um, on uh, Facebook, mm. and uh, he probably just skimmed right by it or somebody who was reading his thing for him skimmed right by it or something. Uh, the person made a big deal about, oh, he's aware of this now because because it said that it had been read, but all, all that meant was that it had been scrolled by. But uh, what, what I don't like about that personally is that we really don't need to be uh, trying to talk to anyone like Izuka at this point because the uh, the campaign hasn't uh, gained enough traction just yet to to make it something that can be taken seriously under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And, uh, and uh, someone else uh, tried to contact Mike Pollock and uh, ask him to uh, promote the campaign, to oh, which goodness. he said uh, no, he couldn't. Yeah, uh, that... That is also not a good idea. You cannot 
ask anyone who is depending on Sega for a paycheck to do something like this because it's it would appear to be pretty much contrary to Sega's own wishes, which and, would be why we need the campaign in the first place. Right. Yeah, and it's not like he was going to voice the game. I mean, there's no voices in that game. That's so it true. wasn't really going to like benefit him. I mean, the game wouldn't benefit him directly. I know he doesn't play games. Yeah. Mike told me. <laughs> so, he did tell you? Yeah, well, he's like, I don't play games. <laughs> that, that guy pops up in the weirdest places. I'll have you having a conversation. He'll pop up, and he's like, hey, guys, like randomly. It's like, what, what do you what Yeah, are you that's doing? true. He's all over the internet. <laughs> but no, th- those are great uh, great tips for people. I'd also suggest, too, that um, people keep the momentum up, but um, also be aware that there's so much turnover right now that I think for a lot of these Sega employees at uh, America – uh, hearing about a new game is the last thing on their mind right now. They're probably emptying out their desks. I know today is, uh, I think today or tomorrow is Stephen Frost's last day. Um, yeah, technically, uh, what technically what we're aiming for is uh, the Japanese branch, really. For sure. Uh, they're they're the, they're the big decision makers, and uh, yeah, definitely, there are probably a whole lot of people on the American branch that couldn't care less about any of this right now, since <laughs> yeah. they're not going to be there much longer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Stealth, I just want to thank you so much for talking with us. George, is there anything you wanted to add? No, I just wanted to, if you wanted to add anything about where they could find the campaign and where they could sign the petition. Oh, right, yes. Well, we'll actually, we'll include the uh, URL there in the um, in the description below, but uh, if people want to visit the website, um, I believe it is uh, sonic3remastered.com. And uh, that's where you can find both campaigns, and um, you can also check out uh, the really cool um, post that uh, Stealth made on Sonic Retro that we cross-posted to Segabits. Um, And he also has some really cool uh, blog posts about the physics and also about uh, just um, the development of uh, the uh, early look at Sonic 3 running on iOS. So... um, Oh. I was going to ask, um, is there anything you guys were looking for, I guess, for the site for help? I think you guys were talking about uh, translating to other languages. Uh, well, I'm not really directly involved in the campaign site, but uh, they, yeah, no, they I'm are sure. looking for uh, they are looking for uh, translations to other languages uh, right now. I think they have. Uh, I think they have Spanish. Somebody might have done a French translation so far, but I don't think that those translations have been actually spread very far in the Spanish and French-speaking areas. Mm. Well, cool. Okay. Well, if you speak other languages, definitely get in touch with Sonic3Remastered.com. Uh, hey, Stealth, thanks again so much for chatting with us about the games, about Sonic, and about uh, your hopes for the future of the franchise. And also, thank you so much for the work you did on the... Sonic 1 and 2 Remastered. I know a lot of people are looking ahead, but it's definitely great to look back to and play those games again because, uh, in my opinion, uh, they're the quintessential versions now out there. I, I hardly touch my cartridges, unfortunately, because <laughs> I play them. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Lisa Wilkerson. You might know me from Shemu or Crazy Taxi and also Virtual Fighter. And you're tuned into the Sigabit Swingin' Report Show. And we're back. I just want to thank Stealth again for chatting with us. 
And uh, now we're going we're gonna to discuss a little bit uh, some news going on. Two games, two very, very different games. Uh, one of them is uh, Toe Jam and Earl, Back in the Groove, which is a Kickstarter. And the other one we're going to talk about uh, surprisingly released today. It was Sonic Runners from uh, Sonic Team so- and Sega. Soft, soft release. Soft release, yeah, I don't yeah. Know what that means, dude. Yeah, let's let's talk about that soft release. I woke up this morning. I got all these notifications that the game came out. What was going on last night? Uh, okay, I it was really confusing. Okay, I I got on and everybody's like Sonic Run. Uh, somebody who was it? So, some user just said Sonic Runners is out and they gave me a play link and I'm like, oh fuck yeah! And it's like not compatible compatible with any of your uh, phones. I'm like, well, that's fucking not right. So I looked up um, my phone. So it was a, if it was on a compatibility list, and it was. So, so I, I uh, kept on, you know, tweeting and trying to see what everybody else. Everybody had the same issue. I uh, obviously thought it was regional. It was not supposed to come out till the 26th, maybe. Uh, then I guess I, uh, the, I found the iTunes Japanese store, and it was on the iTunes Japanese store. And I was, so I was just re- uh, researching and using Twitter. Yeah. A lot. Um, and then finally somebody, I guess, Sega posted it on their help form at fucking 3, 3 a.m. Um, <laughs> or 2 a.m. That uh, it's a soft release and it was only going to be released uh, in Canada and I think Jap- Japan. So so then my next thing was like I need to get the APK because the way that uh, Android works is uh, you could sideload apps from unknown sources. Huh. And uh, – it just the it's only region blocked in the store getting it through the store, so I uh, went and got the APK. Somebody posted it online and I uh, updated the article. But yeah, it, technically not out worldwide, but you could play it if you make a Canadian iTunes account mm-hmm. and if you have the APK for Android. Yeah, I did the Canadian iTunes account method and it was very very easy. I was surprised. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's I don't even understand why there's just a Canadian iTunes account. I mean, market, but whatever. do they deserve an, their own iTunes? I don't think they don't so. even deserve their own country. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so it's out. It's a soft launch. I remember Crazy Taxi City Rush had something similar. Um, so we've both played it now. Um, mm, yes. What what is your what was your opinion of the game before it it the soft launch and after playing it? Um. Okay, before it came out, it, I was a little confused, but I was a little optimistic. I mean, uh, Sonic Team technically has been a lot better as a developer than they used to be, uh, especially during the mid-2000s. Right. Um, so I was optimistic, but I was still a little concerned. I mean, they've never done a, a worldwide, I guess, mobile game. I mean, they've done Japanese games. True. And uh, we had Dash... And we had Jump, so I was like, do we really need another Sonic Mobile game? And now that I played it, uh, I like it. I'm actually surprised at how, how enjoyable I found it. Um, it has multiple paths. It has um, – the physics are uh, heavier, and I would say the speed is, I guess, more to my liking. There's something I don't like about Generations. It's that it feels too fast. Right. And this game is not that fast, but it's not slow either. It's like a nice balance yeah, I'd, I'd almost compare it to Sonic Lost World in terms of the speed because you get into it and you're you're thinking, oh god, it's going to be like uh, boost mechanics in the um, in the what was that um, the Rush games, but when in fact it's actually pretty slow moving, not super slow, 
but uh, a manageable slow, I should say. Um, and it's and it also has more platforming than Sonic Rush did, because Sonic Rush felt a lot of like, oh, just go really fucking fast. Yeah, that's true. Also, people were afraid that, um, I know Izuka did an interview, and it was kind of hard to understand what he was talking about when you uh, translated it, but he made it sound like you tap on enemies to homing attack, um, which is not the case. There's no homing attacks in the game. It's mm-hmm. uh, You bounce into character, you bounce into them, and they, they get hurt. Um I know one of the complaints lodged against uh, Shattered Crystal for 3DS was that um, only Sonic would be able to... Actually, none of them would be able to jump into a ball and hurt enemies, which uh, kind of goes against the basic principle of Sonic. And thankfully here, all of the characters can jump in the air and bounce into enemies. I think uh, Tails, when you jump in the air and make him fly, he's vulnerable, but that makes sense because that's how the games were too, I think. Didn't your tails, when they were spinning in the air, they might hurt enemies, but outside of that, you were vulnerable, I think. Um, I, yeah, what I was is, thinking, um, what do you think, I was going to ask if you, what do you thought about, uh, what do you think it's more, like, I, I thought it was like, they're trying to, like, have a balance of, like, the new and the old, like, it's 2D, obviously, it doesn't make you like the retro titles, I mean, the physics are t- different. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you can't move back and forth, but they added multiple paths, and the multiple paths are pretty interesting. I, I find it was well. I think it was a. Uh, it's a lot funner than a lot of their previous releases. For sure. I mean, um, the stages themselves. If you were to look at them as a map, they would in no way resemble the uh, classic games where you could see it moving up and down. You know, it's it's basically straight across. You dip down a little bit on the ground, you go up a bit in the air, but it's it's nowhere near the extremes that the uh, classic titles or most of the 2D, 2D titles were. Um, oh, yeah. I do get a sense... I'm trying to figure out the structure of the game. Um, I know you have episodic story chapters, but I feel like every single time you play the game is... I, I can't decide if it is being... Um, uh, randomized, or if it's just a collection of different stages that you randomly get. Have you noticed that? Because there's some that start off and it's like a line of rings, two of the same enemy, a dip down, a dip up, but then there's like another one where it's like a line of crystals, and I feel like there's maybe a handful of... Uh, I guess, what's your opinion on that? Uh, I actually felt like I thought it was uh, randomly gener- uh like general uh what are you saying uh randomly generated yeah generated um well because um when i was playing it i don't know it just felt like um there wasn't set pieces kind of like um it's hard to say but like when you play sonic the old ones you kind of like i don't know there's a better flow to it this one just felt like there was like oh you could jump this high and then get them on this ledge and there's like they just kind of like added these random elements with a uh coins or crystals now i think they're using too they're using a lot of currency in this game but yeah uh, there's rings crystals red rings yeah yeah and uh it 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 felt fine for what they're going for because i mean you're not going to explore it so to the should they really go in and like spend so many times on like designing this level these levels that's true yeah um and uh it kind of gives me the uh, I, i can compare it as a Sonic version of like, well, I guess it's a Sonic mobile game basically. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause it's like not so much 
on the level, but the idea of collecting it. So you come back and you're addicted to see what you can collect next. Right. And the gameplay is fun enough. I'd say uh, between it's a, I guess I'd say it's about time if they were going to make an endless running Sonic that they made it like this game is. Because you look at Dash, and Dash is a, a very well-made game. It looks nice, it plays nice, but it's really not a Sonic game. I mean, you're running forward. I, I guess I'd say the Dash games are almost like a really simplified Sonic Unleashed day stage, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas Sonic Jump, I mean, people... Uh, get on that game negatively because they say it ripped off um, Doodle Jump when in fact Sonic Jump, the original Sonic Jump, predates Doodle Jump by, a, I believe, a year. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, so, I didn't even know that. So I believe, I mean, jumping games are not new, but I, I think at the very least Sonic didn't rip off Doodle Jump. I don't know who they ripped off. Maybe they didn't rip anyone off. Um, and Sonic Jump, the original one, I think is actually a very good game. But again, it's not a Sonic game. He he has some Sonic moves, and there's the enemies and everything. But this is the first one to really take the kind of the core Sonic gameplay, I want to say, and make a pretty good uh, uh, endless runner. Yeah, I would say yes. That that's uh, um, what do you think about the music? I like it. I mean, um. I've heard some people saying it's uh, it's kind of like that forgettable uh, sonic rock that you hear in some games, but I, I like that they made new music for the game, not that we're hearing Seaside Hill or that we're hearing uh, uh, Sonic Lost World music reused, which is nice. Um, it's funny because when people say those forgettable songs, you mean you mean the ones they don't use in every single game and they blare in your ear over and over <laughs> again? Those? Yeah, those? yeah, yeah, those. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I guess I, I've never been a fan of the um, soundtrack in Shadow the Hedgehog, for example. Um, the ones where it's just like... <laughs> I like the... Like a fucking uh, robot. And shit. Yeah, like I like the ones where it's a, there's a tune that you can kind of pick out. Like, for example, I think um, there was the... Da, 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 you know, in the piano on uh, Sonic Lost World. More, more melodic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they, that that one had like a very nice upbeat rock, I guess you could say, because it was what it, it was instrumental. I mean, rock and roll, I guess. Yeah, like a happy candy candy rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, good. it was good for what I heard. I haven't heard too much of it, but it was it was pretty good. And the music changes up too. Uh, my one question is, am I able to go back and play the old stages? Because I know you progress through episodes, and I've played ten. Uh, 10 episodes, which probably amounts to maybe playing that uh, kind of forested stage 10 times, maybe 10 or 20 times. But um, after getting to episode 11, it changed to a new new music, new graphics, um, Tales Unlocked, which is really cool. But I wanted to go back and experience the old level again, and I don't know how I can do that. I actually don't know either. I, I, I haven't played it too – you probably played it more than I have, so if you haven't figured it out, I'm never going to figure it out. Um, right, because, I mean, I've played other iPhone games. Like, for example, you know I'm obsessed with The Simpsons Tapped Out, and there yes. are there are levels and there are storylines that you can never go back and recreate um, unless you start all over again. Um, I'm, I'm thinking if it's if it's a Sega network thing. I don't know because like I played, I've been playing. Uh, well, my phone broke the other day randomly. Right. Yes, it's really bad that this game came out at this time. Yeah. Um, it's just the screen. It, it works. It's just a screen. The panel doesn't turn on anymore. So right. I don't, we'll see about that. Um, 
But uh, I was I've been playing on their uh, Chain Chronicles. Okay. And uh, that game is like you. It's like it's well, it's like a I guess an RPG sort of. Mm-hmm. But it's like you unlock characters by playing it, and then the new characters have side missions with side stories. But I don't even know if you can go back on those either. Right. So maybe it's just like. Like for example. Yeah, like for example, in Sonic Jump, you can go back and play those different stages. Um, or in Sonic Dash, you always start off at the same part, and then you can always go to those new parts if you hit the right uh, dash panels or springs. But in this one, I'm not getting the sense that I can go back and play those earlier stages unless you reach a certain point where the episodes are up and then you can go back. But that's my one concern, because you know, one of the draws of a Sonic game is that you can jump around and play different stages. But oh, yeah. um, this one, it feels like there's a forward progression, and I don't know if I can go back, which is kind of disappointing. And so, okay, the game is free to play, so that means there's going to be microtransactions of some sorts, or some way they make cash. Yeah. Have you seen that yet, or is it just, I've just heard, the game so far? I've heard people complaining when they started the game up that they were getting hit really hard with uh, suggestions to spend money, but um, I've actually... I got hit with it. Yeah, but... Yeah, what I found is that actually the game, when it starts up, there's uh, between like six or seven um, messages that are like kind of in your mailbox system. And so it flashes them all up at you immediately. But after that, you don't you don't see those anymore. And I'm kind of surprised by how accessible the game is without spending any money. It hasn't stopped me from playing yet. Um, It hasn't like for Crazy Taxi City Rush. It hasn't said, oh, you ran out of gas, you need to wait 15 minutes. Like, I could play and play and play. I feel like the rings are, there's a lot of rings they give you. I feel like the red rings, um, I've already amassed over 200, which kind of surprises me. Um, Characters, there's no store for characters, so I'm not being asked to buy Knuckles or Tails. They just unlock as I play the game. Which is, this is, seems to be like kind of a trend, at least for starting Sega Networks games, because I told you I was playing Chain Chronicles, and that one's like, I play like the first time like an hour and a half. Right. And then I was looking at my little, uh, a little like AP bar, whatever they call it, where you could, you take points, and then once it's down, you have to wait a certain amount of time. Yeah. And I literally couldn't take it down enough. So, like, it, like every single time I would take it down, it would be like, 20 minutes you'll refill it would just refill itself by the time i got to it again yeah like so i don't know i don't I'm, know how they make money at, right now i think it's it's a good thing for people who don't like in-app purchases but i also think it's a bad thing for sega because i don't see how they can make money on this game right now at least in the current a, form I, I have a feeling because I've heard that I haven't played uh, City Rush for like a long time, but I've heard that uh, they literally every update they literally started making stuff more expensive and uh, making True. the turns like uh, cost more, I guess, and making you wait longer. And videos. So I'm assuming. Yeah. Gone. Ads come up for other games too. Yeah, so it's like I'm assuming they at first it's more of a, a oh come in look how great it is, and then they slowly start like doing what people don't like. Yeah. I guess. If they really want to get people's money, and again, talking about The Simpsons tapped out, they have, when they do premium items that you need to spend money for, they really kind of like go for the nostalgic retro, retro, classic Simpsons characters. So, for example, they'd be like, oh, you want, um, you know, you want this from this classic Simpsons episode, you're going to have to pay for it. And people pay for it because they love the classics. And so it makes me wonder why Sega doesn't 
think about doing premium characters for this game, but have them be characters people have always wanted to play as, you know? Yeah, but we definitely don't know what their uh, full plan for the game is. I'm assuming they have a plan. Uh, oh, for sure. It's probably going to it's going to be a long haul plan, and because um, I have a feeling this is going to, I think. Uh, Sonic Dash was downloaded over 65 million times. That's a lot. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming this is going to be a, long, a lot more. Um, so I'm hoping they do. I mean, they have a, a, a big catalog of characters to uh, pull from, especially when you count the Archie series and all those side qu- things that nobody talks about. Right. And, I mean, I'm not asking for them to bring up, like, Mighty or Ray, like characters we haven't seen for over, you know, 20 years. But uh, why? I mean, she, if there's a market for it, I, I think they should just do whatever. I mean, whatever. I think this might be one of those games that makes fans just happy that they have everything. Probably after a while. That's true. I mean, you know, they did do redesigns of the Freedom Fighters for the Archie comics. So yeah. can you imagine if they were like play as Princess Sally for the first time in a Sonic game? I mean, I know this is a Jap- Japanese game, but if Sega of America starts kind of trying to get ideas in there, who knows? I don't I- know. <laughs> uh, even if it's a Sega Japan game, they should like. I think they should embrace the whole legacy, even if it wasn't created in Japan. I mean, some of the best games from Sonic were created in America. That's well, true. Japanese staff, but and like you said, embracing the legacy, you always you already kind of see a bits of that there because the game has the uh, the sword from the Black Knight, which you'd never think would show up in a game again. You would um, think that it would ignore that that game existed, but I guess yeah. Not. <laughs> and actually, speaking of um, the Black Knight. People have uh, posted the credits for the game, and uh, it looks like Sonic Team had heavy involvement, obviously. But um, for the most part, it's uh, the names pe- showing up are people who worked on the Mario and Sonic games, as well as the uh, Sonic Colors, Sonic Lost World. So it looks to be coming from that side of Sonic Team, not so much the uh, Unleashed and Generations side of the team. Yeah, it, it, I think they did a good job. I mean, there's obviously limits. I never felt like I wasn't in control of the character. I've never felt like uh, I never felt like I don't know the controls were like not having control over it was uh, not making it fun. Right. I think they designed it correctly. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, like there's no dash panels in the game. I've uh, noticed in Sonic Boom Shattered Crystal when you hit a dash panel. It, it just locks you out. You can't control yourself. You go through the automated loop. But with here, when you go down a hill, you go into the uh, the ball, but you can jump out of it. So that's yeah. that's nice. Um, I know people hate having control taken away from them, and despite the game not giving you all the control that you usually get with Sonic, it's it's pretty decent amount of control for what it is. Plus, there's no homing attack. It's Sonic without a boost and without a homing attack, which is pretty amazing. I have a feeling that the homing attack might be brought up later as like an add-on or something, <laughs> yeah, or like a power-up, you know, because you have those eggs you could get. From that's the, true. That wheel. Though the wisps are in this. There's um, speaking of Lost World and uh, colors, it feels like this game makes a lot of references to those games as well as the storybook titles with the uh, what is it, Caliburn? Yeah, yeah. Sword. So and uh, Chip is in it from Unleashed, and uh, the Chow are back, but there's no Chow Garden. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I I I think just like looking at this game, you're like, wow, Sonic Team has changed Sonic a lot. Like, you have the Chip character where it was like when they had Unleash and they had like an open world again, and it was like kind of like Pixar quality world. And then they have a uh, stuff from Colors, which had Wisp and was more, uh, I guess, straight to action stages. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. 
I think if you're if you're a fan of consistency amongst the games, it is nice to have those little uh, kind of uh, I guess uh, bones thrown to the fans in this game just to see a little more of a cohesive world where it's Sonic and the Black Knight character and the uh, and Chip from Unleashed and they're talking about the events that took place in uh, Sonic Colors. So it's it's a nice bit of fan service, I guess. Uh, let's talk about Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. So this is the one of the two co-creators of uh, Toe Jam and Earl. It's Greg Johnson, and he has teamed up with a, a new group of people to make a fourth Toe Jam and Earl game. Uh, what do we know about this, George? We know that it's going to be more like the first game. Uh, you probably know more than I do about the game. Um, you're the one that covered it on the site, I think. Um, well, it's going to be a first game. That I think the pitch is $400,000. Mm-hmm. And which I thought it was going to be a little bit too much, but then I, I guess not because it's only been like two days and they already gathered uh, a big chunk of that, like over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they're at one hundred and thirty-two at the moment. And honestly, if you guys actually like Toe Jam and Earl or even want to see the game come back, just because nostalgia, mm-hmm. um, they have really good. Actually, they're not not gouging people for money. Basically, let's say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's very reasonable. Probably. I thought it was going to be a lot maybe worse. I thought maybe those statues were going to cost a lot more than they actually do because I've mm-hmm. seen some Kickstarters that they really, they really price their stuff a little high. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, it looks uh, – a lot of it is right now it's proof uh, – I don't know proof of concept is the correct term, but a very early, especially art. So. Right. Um, they released a, a video with Greg talking about the game and about how uh, – this is like the first time they're going to be able to do what they want with uh, Toe Jam and Neural without Sega making them change it. <laughs> More or less, yeah. They never said Sega by name, but they kept saying, be great not to have a, a publisher telling us what to do. <laughs> you know? Which is basically Sega. Yeah. So, let's be honest. But, like, that's a good thing. I mean, I don't think Sega should have... Uh, honestly, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I know they changed the first one from uh, what, it, what it was like a roguelike game. Mm-hmm to uh, a platformer, because that's the thing, you know? Yeah, and the second one, it was a platformer. And they uh, they do acknowledge the second one. They said they're going to take some ideas from it, but not too many. Um, as for the third one... Um, Which one? Togeminal 3. You know that what, one. What's that? I've never heard of it. Yeah, right, it. right. I guess they, they didn't like that it was made an Xbox exclusive, uh, meaning not many people played it. Um, I know I didn't. Uh, I bought it after the fact. Um, and, uh, the third one also was in full 3d, which meant you were moving the camera about constantly to figure out where you're going. It just, it, I don't think, uh, behind the shoulder, uh, 3d view really worked for toe jam and Earl. No. And so in this game, it looks like they, they're not being hindered by the hardware of the Sega Genesis as great as the Genesis was. It definitely, I think held them back at the time. So, Especially for this type of game. Right. So, you know, this is a fourth game, but I really feel like it, it's almost like a remake of the first game. Probably, Or maybe like a reboot, I guess. In a a reboot is, yeah, a much better way to put it. What do you think about the graphics? Right now they have very realistic kind of 3D. Now, I wouldn't say realistic, but they look like they're like a handmade model for the, for the environments, whereas the characters are very clearly... Um, two-dimensional cutout characters. Even, 
Well, they said they wanted to go with 90s comic book feel. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the first thing I thought, like maybe like uh, 90s Nickelodeon feel, like Nicktoons or whatever they called them back then. Yeah. Um, Kind of like that style. That's what it reminded me of right away when I saw it. I was like, this is like Nickelodeon cartoons back in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming that that was, I think that's what Nick Nick was going for at the time too, was going 90s comic book look, I think. So it kind of all makes sense in the end. But um, honestly, personally, I'd rather have it all 2D, especially, I mean, and the floor. But I, they said that they didn't want to do it because I guess the way the camera and stuff, yeah, you get better angles right. on 3D. So I don't know. What do you think about the look? I think it's unique. I think in a, in a world where we have games like um, uh, Little Big Planet, I think it's um, kind of along those lines where it looks like you're controlling paper cutouts on a, uh, a little flat surface. I know there have been people saying, oh, you should cell sh- shade it, but I think that would kind of ruin the uh, mashup of the two different styles. I don't think their intention is to make it look like it's a flat two-dimensional game. I think the intention is to have the characters look like these cutouts on top of this surface. Um, I think the idea is like, oh, this is the old characters in like a new world, I was assuming, like... That's what I always got from it. Like, yeah. yeah. They're, they're back in 3D, but they're 2D still. It's like kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, like you said, the tiers are very uh, very reasonable. For $15, you can get the uh, digital copy of the game and be put into the thank you for the credits. So, I mean, right there is they've had over 1,000 backers, which is uh, pretty impressive. Um, there's also tiers that start adding goodies. I was surprised that for 25 bucks you're already getting a t- keychain and a poster in addition to the game. That's pretty great. And then on top of that, for 40 you get a mug added to it. For 60 which is uh, the tier I'm at at the moment, um, and I say at the moment just because you know you never know what uh, your bank account looks like in 29 days. But um, but that includes the game, a keychain, two posters, a coffee mug, and early access, which I think is I mean 60 dollars is the price of a retail title. And so that right there, that's the equivalent of getting like a special edition of a game. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and it's uh, and it's only sixty, so that's like the base price of a normal video game, but special edition. <laughs> the so. only thing, the only thing they could have done to make it even more appetizing was give you like a, like a, a, a Genesis cartridge with a new artwork and stuff. Right. That you know, what I mean, it, and it just had it was like a, the Genesis cartridge was like a USB really inside, and you could load the game. Right. Yeah, that would have been cool. But, but that would have been probably too much manufacturing that. Yeah. What do you think of you talked about the vinyl figures? Those are I mean, those are definitely a high-end tier, uh, but they look pretty cool. Um What did you think about those? Yeah, they're I mean, they're pretty cool. I mean, it's always uh I wonder if they're thinking about branding this and actually, you know, taking and selling merchandise on the side. I'm assuming that's the plan in the end, selling these uh toys. Because, I mean, they look really high quality, or at least in the pictures. Yeah. And they even have box art, and it's attractive. It's, like, really nicely done. Yeah, for a um, series that doesn't have toys, it would definitely appeal to just about anyone who likes the franchise. I kind of, well, I kind of wanted to ask him, but I guess I will do it later. But they literally took him out the main character, third main character they added in uh, <laughs> the third game, right? That's true, despite the fact that they talk about four-player gameplay. So... Despite that, uh, there's uh, 
two characters they're showing here, they say you can play as up to four people, so maybe you'd have two recolors, I guess? Yeah, they didn't really say. There's other characters you show on the little pricing tiers, so maybe, like, they have a, oh, no, they have, like, a, uh, what is it, Toe Jam? They have a Toe Jam with, like, a, a rock guitar. Yeah. So it's, like, maybe they'll have, like, a disco version. And they have, like, a cat that's, like, dressed all weird. I don't know. These are actually little characters. And there's, like, a hippie girl. Right. With, like, a bra on. Right. With one eye. Yeah. So I'm not sure they're going to be uh, using these. For other characters, but it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. And just so people know too, um, that uh, if they if they want any questions answered about this game, we'll actually and I, I don't think it's a secret we'll be be interviewing Greg Johnson on the next episode. Yes. So uh, get that out there. And um, yeah, so it's uh, the year is young, and we've already got a, some interesting games, Sega related and not. Um, any any final thoughts on uh, the Toe Jam and Earl or uh, Sonic Runner games? No, that's it. I mean, if you guys want to support uh, Toe Jam and Earl, go to Kickstarter and uh, uh, search uh, Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove. Yeah. So um, we'll see you next time on the show. Again, thanks for Stealth for talking with us. Uh, you can check out Sonic Runners if you have the uh, skills to navigate the Canadian App Store or to um, download... Uh, uh, the game to your Android device. Um, so check that out and check out the Toe Jam Neural Kickstarter. And I think that wraps and, up this episode. And Sonic3Remastered.com if you want to support that. Hell yes. Sega Bits.